0: This is episode number 327 with Ulrich Bosa of the Founder Podcast.
1: What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating,
2: fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now, 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 the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help.
0: What's going on, Founder Fam? Nathan Chan here, on Publisher of Founder Magazine. I hope you're having a great day wherever you are around the world. And uh, yeah, thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Um, if you want to know how to learn faster and you want to know how to master a particular skill, and also if you are reading a lot of blog posts, listening to a lot of podcasts, watching a lot of YouTube videos, probably... I hope you're watching a lot of our content or learning or listening or reading or watching and you're absorbing it, but you want to know how to implement it fast. Um, perhaps you've enrolled in one of our online programs. Uh, you know, we have incredible founders teach all sorts of things that you need to know how to start or grow a business. Well, here's the thing. Um, with so much information thrown at you, it actually can be quite difficult to to work out how to master whatever it is you're trying to master or learn better or, you know, really unlock the power of your brain, Uh, like the TV show Limitless. So today's guest is Ulrich Bosa, and I talk about that with him and so much more, really on, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a founder, how can you learn faster? How can you absorb more information and actually you know, apply it to your everyday, everything you've got going on as an entrepreneur, as a founder. Um, I remember when I interviewed the founder of Dropbox, uh, Drew Houston, I said, you know, when it comes to building a successful business, um, I truly believe that a big part of it is being able to outlearn everybody around you. And uh, I asked him, you know, how he does that. And, uh, you know, Ulrich goes into this in depth so much more around how you can outlearn your competition, how you can outlearn your peers, how you can be an incredible founder. So Ulrich's an incredible founder of a company called The Learning Agency, and uh, we've also partnered with him to create one of our newest courses called Master Any Skill. So if you want to know more about how to learn fast, if you enjoy this interview with him, which is packed full of value and you want to know more about his framework and how he does this stuff and how you can too and just really level up on the learning side, um, just go to founder.com forward slash newsletter and just sign up to our newsletter where you can get an early bird special uh, of the course launching. All right, guys, that's it from me. Now let's jump to the show. Ulrich, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. So the first question I ask everyone that comes on is, uh,
1: how'd you get your job? Well, listen, I'm just so thrilled to be here. You have such a great team, huge fan of your work, really what an honor to join you. So thank you so much. You're welcome. So how did I get my job? I got my job really as a kid, I struggled with learning. I spent some time in special education, I repeated kindergarten. It takes some doing. In fourth grade, I managed to, within a 45-minute time period, get in trouble for talking to my neighbor, not doing my homework. Then I couldn't read my homework. I know this because there was a psychologist who was sitting in the back of the room on this very specific day in January and writing all these notes about how I couldn't learn. And over time, I came to gaining some of these kind of learning to learn skills myself, as many students do, you know, thinking about your own thinking, really important skill. But always became fascinated with learning, with education, and so after college, I worked for an education newspaper, worked for another magazine, always discovering, what exactly is it that allows people to learn effectively, and then wrote a book on it, and company, and now really just trying to do my best to share this with as many people as I can.
0: Yeah, amazing.
1: So um, when did you start the Learning Agency? The Learning Agency itself is now a few years old. I would need to double check, but maybe three or four. More recently, we launched a a nonprofit. We've been doing well enough that we can have a philanthropic arm, the Learning Agency Lab, which really allows us to push more stuff out for free, which has been great, but it's been a a wild and exciting ride.
0: Yeah, wow, that's awesome. so I'm curious, uh, like when it comes to to learning, uh, that I'm massive on it, right? Like I, I honestly believe that if you can out like your competition or your peers, that's how you can grow a company faster than ever, like. The, like a big reflection, like you've got to have an incredible team, but a, like a, you know, a big reflection of a company's growth is the ability for the founder or co-founders to all level up as fast as possible and just outlearn. Um, so I'm curious, like, I, you know, I really want to delve deep on this, but where should people start if they want to be able to absorb the information that
1: they're taking in faster or retain it? I think the first place to start is really just to explode some really important myths that are out there. I see them all the time. One, people often talk about learning styles, you know, that they are video, visual learners or auditory learners. There's no evidence for that. Highlighters. Pre-pandemic, I would often work at a law school because it was quiet. They had free Wi-Fi. I'd be surrounded by, and I didn't want to pay for office space. And so I'd be surrounded by these like young law school students who love their highlighters, no evidence for them. And then the things that work, like talking to yourself, you know, they seem a little bit weird, right? You don't want to do that while sitting in a law school library, but highly more effective. But what I really want to stress to people is there is a research of learning, and the more that you embrace it, the faster you can learn. And that's why these myths are, are dangerous. They're Based on weak evidence, and if you practice them, you're you really just not going to get the results that you should be getting. Yeah,
0: interesting. So, like, what are these? Um, yeah, what are these like myths? So,
1: highlighters yeah, don't so work. We, uh, learning myths. Let's just run through them a little bit. One, highlighters. No evidence for them. Second, the idea that some people are have learning styles that some people are visual learners. People are auditory learners. No evidence for it. Another one that you should engage in blocked practice. And by blocked practice, it means practicing the same thing over and over and over again. You're much better off mixing up your practice. Another one is rereading. A lot of people think rereading is a very effective way to learn. It's not.
0: And and how do you know? Like because I I know um, another one that you're big on is and I want to talk about that and go deep on this one, the 10,000-hour rule, you're not a fan.
1: I'm, I'm, I am not a fan. Let's take my driving as an example. I have been driving for more than 10,000 hours. I can assure you of this. And not only have I not gotten better over time, right, I've actually gotten worse, and I still am nervous when I come into curves. I'm still a little uncertain when it comes to you know the snow or parallel parking and the fact is that just doing something even if you're just practicing it in this kind of weak way isn't going to actually get you better at your craft and you can take my driving as an example you know I don't get feedback I don't actually frankly spend that much time really thinking about it right like if I was really like okay today I'm going to get be a better driver I'm going to one have set some goals for myself. That's really important for learning. You know, do all these things that we know work for learning. And when we look at the research, you know, there's a lot of research that people can do the same thing over and over again or get weak forms of practice and really not become experts. And so what I want to do is really share tools, tips, practices, help make tools, tips, and practices that are going to make people better learners. Like how did you,
0: like, come across like this idea that like, because everyone knows the ten thousand hour rule. Um, like, how did you come across or like, like what what? I, I'm just curious. Like, have you done case studies? Have you done like, yeah, like tell me about like the research piece around that.
1: Sure. So the ten thousand hour. I mean, we're going to go down a little wonky hole but you just you interrupt me when it's when it's time to stop okay. so yeah the ten thousand hour rule comes from a malcolm gladwell uh book in that book he cites a guy named uh anders erickson uh honors who actually recently passed away was a, a notable a promoter of something called deliberate practice which is a, a subset of ways to to practice and if you you kind of read Gladwell's book, you can see where he took one study and sort of drew too many conclusions of it. If you speak uh, or did speak to Anders Ericsson and and looked at his work, there was no evidence for this idea that this this 10,000 hours was what actually made you an expert. What Ericsson does, and and his research is really quite, um, you know, powerful, is speak to this form of practice that can be very effective. And if you look at other forms of research, like, um, you know, learning styles, there's, uh, I mean, one, you know, some of these things, they, they, they fall apart when you first think about them a little bit. All of us have done things for hours at a time. Handwriting. I have definitely spent more than 10,000 hours working on my handwriting. It has not gotten better over time. There, I can tell you quite unequivocally, it's gotten way worse since I started to write. There's also some good papers looking at students. Happy to send them or, or post them on the website from student practicing. Uh, this was came out of a study out of South Korea where uh, they were able to not at the 10,000 hours level, but just show that students studying on their own exams. Uh, this was in uh, physics. You know, they don't they don't get better over time. And so, really, what makes a difference is effective learning approaches. And are you making that learning a little bit more difficult? Are you getting feedback? This was what Anders Ericsson was really big at. You know, can you create a system of feedback that gives you the tips, the instructions, the insights that you're going to need get, to get better? So we can quibble, quibble a little bit about what exactly you know, Malcolm Gladwell meant. We can certainly agree that learning takes time. We can say that it takes quite a bit of time in many cases, but this idea that there's just 10,000 hours, and if you just spend time on it, it's going to make you an expert.
0: When it comes to, I guess, if we know that if you just spend crap tons of time on something, um, it's just kind of false hope that you're going to get better at it. What are some of the tools, tips, and practices that people can do? Because I think if you want to become a better entrepreneur, you can listen to podcasts. You can watch interviews like this. You can read books. But it doesn't mean that you'll retain that information. It doesn't mean that you're going to apply that information. Like how can you effectively get better at your craft as a, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur?
1: I'd like to encourage people to think about learning as a project, you know, that they should start to think about getting, you know, their Asana or whatever they use for project management to really get in there. So one thing you really wanna do is, is set very clear goals for yourself. When you're learning something, and I think this happened to many people around a foreign language, you, know, you, you get excited, you're like, hey, I'm going to uh, vacation in, in Thailand and I'm gonna learn some Thai and, and just get myself started. And then you get a few days in you're like, oh my God, this is so crazy hard. I can barely say hello, how are you? And you give up. And this is where goals are really important. You need to set goals set across time where you can really make sure that you are gaining that information then there are other practices that are really important like being an active learner and when i say an active learner you know so much of what we're doing especially as founders right is sitting in front of a computer it's, it's really knowledge work and so when you're an active learner it's not just that you're like doing this stuff that's important but really making sure that you're quizzing yourself that you're explaining it to other people that you're really being cognitively engaged. This is why rereading as a practice is, is not super effective. Oftentimes when someone rereads, they just kind of like reread it again, but they're not really like wrestling with the material. And so what are ways that you can force yourself as a founder to wrestle with the material? One is explain the idea to someone else. Second, just do a brain dump. So if, Tomorrow you have to brief your board and you need to read an article in a newspaper because you need to brief your board on it. Let's say it's a trade newspaper. Most people would reread it. They would call that studying. Evidence, happy to share, lots of citations from, you know, Nate Cornell, Bob Bjork, Pooja Agarwal, many others that say what you're much better at is putting the newspaper article away and just get engaging in a brain dump. Just describe. and what you learn. These are all ways to make your learning more active. So those are just two quick ones that I wanted to mention to you, Nate, because they're really important. Setting goals and making learning you know, really active, making sure that you're participating.
0: I see. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love the idea of, of setting goals and, and sharing what you're learning with people, also being present and um, this idea of doing a brain dump. I'm also curious, like when it comes to like reading, what is your thoughts on
1: speed reading? I've never seen any convincing evidence that people are able to speed read, but let me give you a few caveats. The thing that's going to make you a more effective reader is knowing something about the topic. Let me just give you an example. Haben Sie heute Morgen That's German for, have you had any breakfast this morning? Now, If you don't know those words, even though you can look them up on like the internet immediately, even though you have them on your cell phone, unless you have them on top of mind, unless you have some background knowledge, it's going to be very hard to speak German. And so the best way to become a better reader is to know something about the topic because it's just going to click a lot easier. It's like if you want to, you know, I don't follow cricket. I don't know much about cricket. It is very hard for me to even listen to like people talking about cricket. And it's very hard for me to read about cricket because I'm like, ah, I just, I get lost. But if it starts about basketball, which I know a lot, I can read really fast. I know the nuances. So speed reading, like the way that people describe it, where you should only read every seventh word, I haven't found any evidence for it. There are ways to improve your reading. And that is by having some previous knowledge about the topic.
0: Yeah, I see. So what if it's a topic like, for example, At the moment, I'm reading a book by Andy Grove called High Output Management. I'm finding the – I know a little bit about the topic, right, but I'm finding it quite dry and it's a bit difficult to get through. Like what is what would your advice for me to be there, like to retain that and to, yeah, really get what I'm
1: Sure. And so my question for you is are you just not interested in the topic or, so is it a motivation problem, or is it just that you're not getting the, um, you're not being able to retain the information?
0: Well, it's quite a dense book. And uh, yeah, like, you know, he's talking about production lines. He's talking about, yeah, just kind of like, it is, it is difficult to get through. So I'm not really
1: enjoying the book that much thus far, no. Hey, I'm glad I'm glad we're comfortable enough that you can just you can confess this. You know, one when you're having issues learning, categorizing the types of learning is important. And so, you know, sometimes there are issues of motivation. I'm happy to talk about that. Sometimes there's just, you know, are you getting the material that's really relevant to you? What I hear you saying is it's actually just like difficult to, to get through, right? Like it's just dense material. I haven't read this book, but you know, we do a lot of machine learning, AI, um, NLP stuff. And, you know, there it's just technical, right? You know, you're just reading about coding. And what I, besides what we mentioned already, what I think is also really important for folks is to, you know, one, take breaks, engage in reflection. It's very easy when you're reading and when you're learning to, really just try and like jam through stuff, mm. but you're better off taking lots of breaks. You know, one, sleep is important. I know this might be weird for founders who are trying to stay up all night, but if you're really trying to retain information, one, sleep gives you a break, second, it allows your brain to, uh, what experts describe it to me is like, take out the, the trash, right? Rearrange your, your neurons, allow you to really learn. The other thing when the information is super technical, besides breaks, besides active learning, besides goals, is to space it out over time. Mm -hmm. Our brain forgets. It forgets at a very regular rate. We now have a great ability to predict how quickly you'll forget. And so to account for that type of forgetting is going to be really important, especially when you're learning technical information. So. Researchers now have this forgetting curve. You can Google it a lot online. There's a great wiki to it, but the key thing to keep in mind is that it is incredibly easy to forget. And that the way that the mind works is that it keeps things kind of like an attic. Let me put this a a different, different way. You should really think about forgetting as a type of attic because the stuff that you really pull out frequently is always gonna be near the front. But stuff that you don't draw on very much it goes further and further in the back and collects dust. Yes. So there's some evidence that suggests that no matter where you are in your life, that you've forgotten nothing. So even, maybe when you were a three-year-old and you saw someone's shoes deep in your brain, that's somewhere in there. But your brain basically engages in this type of forgetting because you want to remember not this person's information, those shoes. You want to remember information like where you put your cell phone earlier today, not where you put your cell phone a few days ago. So that long-winded thing is to say, give yourself, especially when you're reading technical information, time to learn about it a little bit, forget it, and then revisit it.
0: Yeah, I see. So, like, I'm trying to read this book. I'm doing 10 pages a day. Um, And, yeah, it's just its not a fun book. It's not... But like I know it's super important. Like everyone talks about it. Like it's it's a well-renowned book. Um, it's it's like the premise of where OKRs come from. And like yeah. So so I am giving myself breaks, but I am struggling to get through it. What else would you say to me to get through it, retain it, um, and really start to
1: enjoy it? Do you think that that is possible? I don't think you can enjoy something that you don't find enjoyable. Right. I mean, it's just, it's just who we are as, as humans. But when it comes to motivation, especially motivation for things that you know you need to do, yep. like say accounting or your taxes, lots of business owners not excited about them, but you have to do them and especially when it comes to learning is is really take time to figure out when exactly are you going to apply this learning? How exactly is it going to make you a better founder? How is it exactly going to help you in your job and making sure that you try and create those connections in a very concrete way so that you can say, yeah, I see exactly where this is relevant. And there's some really fun studies come out of a professor, Chris Holman at university of Virginia, where, He just has students and these learners of all ages just write about how material is, is relevant to them, how they see they're going to apply it in their own lives. And I think often when, you know, you see people when they like teach statistics, they just think like, well, I'll just put a little baseball on top of it, or maybe in Australia or England cricket. And that will like make people think interesting. That's not a good approach. Just, you know, saying Kim Kardashian might be mentioned in this book is not enough. You have to think about how is it's going to improve your own life. And for some people meeting reading Andy Grove's book, they're not going to go into business. They might think it's important because their child's got to go into business or they're going to go into nursing and they'd love to talk about OKRs in their nursing. So really just trying to think about, hey, how is this going to help me is a great way for you to really boost your, boost your motivation.
0: Yeah, I see. And what about like um, this idea of... Uh, when I said when you said talking about brain dumps, do you think or sharing with other people, do you think that it would help me to retain or that um, increase my comprehension if I every time, like I go through the book uh,
1: every ten pages? Is there anything else I could do there? Well, look, I haven't read the book, but if the book is like so many other business books, it's set up in this way. There's like a story about how Andy, you know, was a young child Then he takes over the company. There's all sorts of garbage. He cleans it up. And then he's like the hero. Right. So if the book is like that, you don't really necessarily or maybe you do. If you want to retain that information, then, you know, by all means. And there's some cases in which you might. Right. You're going to go meet Andy Grove and you want to be able to talk to him one on one. And tell them about these stories and, and retain them. But my sense is that you really want to actually could care less about his stories of Daring Do and you know what he did. You you want the actual meat of the management. Yep. So one, just cut out the fluff. Skip to those parts about management that are going to be important. Oh wow. Once you've identified that, fluff. I mean, I don't feel like that's an oh-wow moment, but I'm excited that you found it oh-wow. I'm like, cut the fluff. Everyone's like, of course you should cut the fluff. But we've cut the fluff, and you go to these things like OKRs. How exactly do they work? What do they stand for? Why are they important? How do you adjust them over time? What happens in the middle of a quarter when they need to change? This is the type of stuff that might be more important for you as a manager. And in those cases, exactly what you... Described, is going to be important. I wouldn't necessarily wait for every 10 pages, but once you have a nugget that you know is really going to be important, close the book and think to yourself, okay, let me explain this as if I was like explaining it on the podcast. You know, I was talking to someone, you know, what would this look like? Also, engaging in that brain dump, just, you know, writing it out. And then You know, trying to teach it to someone else is really important. I don't know if you've ever had this happen where someone, you know, taught you a new pit of software. You're like kind of good at it, but then you needed to teach it to a colleague. Yeah. You know, teaching to a colleague is a great way to become more active learner, right? It's that cognitively demanding. But then you also have to think about like, where will they be confused? So all these things take a little bit more time. So you should make sure you're engaging in those key ideas that are really important that you really want to learn, but then spend a lot more time making sure that you deeply understand them, uh, that you're really applying yourself more cognitively to them. And ways in which you can do that is this is this—you know, brain dumps, explaining to someone else, even just thinking about if you were to explain it to someone else can be really effective. Those types of things that uh, make you really engage in that material.
0: Yeah, I think the unlock for me was this idea that if the book is dry, just cut the fluff. Like, actually, just look for the really solid, like, parts of the book that you know you want to get from it. Don't just read the book because when I read books, like, like anything, if I want, if I start something, I want to finish it. I want to do it properly. And like, yeah.
1: So, so you're a fan of like carving through books that way. The one caveat that I have about that, and this often happens when we're learning, is that people are overconfident. And overconfidence is rampant. If you interview, uh, if you look at studies, most people believe that they're smarter than average. Most people believe that they're better looking than average. My favorite is that most people believe that they work harder than their average colleague. People are just very overconfident. Some overconfidence is a good thing. I would not be here talking to you Expounding on these ideas, if I myself was not somewhat overconfident, right? I mean, it just takes a little bit of overconfidence to talk to you, to you know, be in a public place. It takes some overconfidence to become a founder. But when it comes to learning, we're often overconfident about how much we know, and this is really important, especially when it comes to some of these dry details that can be really important to our work, right? If if you really want to get into the nitty-gritty of SEO, figure out what the really dry material is that can drive some big changes in your company. Really try and be humble. Try and learn as much as you can. Figure out ways in which you can push back against this type of uh, overconfidence. You know, if you had a quiz on this tomorrow, do you think you would really pass? You know, use these types of, of tools to make sure you're not, you're not overconfident.
0: So I'm curious as well when it comes to uh, these myths what are some other myths that you think are common? We talked about the 10,000 hour rule. We talked about you know blocked practices, rereading. Uh, we've talked about speed reading.
1: Uh, what are some other myths? Well let's talk about the, the block practice one a little bit because I think it's important to unpack why block practice is, is bad and It's amazing to me how often I see block practice out there, you know, professional sports players, whether you're Ronaldo or LeBron James, you know, they have these videos, promotional videos of them practicing. And it's crazy to me, they will do the exact same shot, take the exact same shot again and again and again. And the evidence is very, very clear that mixed up practice is better, but you have to do the mixed up practice in a very certain way. And what is a better way to practice is to pull things together that are somewhat similar. Yes. And make sure that you mix them up in this way. So let's just say you want to become better at playing the piano. And most people would choose, hey, you know, they're just going to play lots of Beethoven. They're going to play Beethoven all day. Then the next day they play Mozart. And the third day they play Bach. And what they'd be better at is doing a little bit of Mozart, a little bit of Bach, a little bit of Beethoven, and mix it up on the same day. You want to make sure that when you're practicing this way that these skills that you're practicing are somewhat similar so you can learn, and this is one of the big benefits of this mixed up practice is that when you play Beethoven right next to Bach, right next to Mozart, you start to understand a little bit more about what makes Beethoven Beethoven, what makes Bach Bach. And this is also true about a putt. You get to really know about what a 10 foot putt is and how much muscle you need to put on an eight foot putt. This is also true for business, right? If you wanted to learn better about um, you know, funnels, different types of funnels, why they matter, you, and you're practicing your idea of funnels in a, uh, you know, for sales as opposed to funnels for a, a, a class, yes. now you're going to be like, oh, well, here's the different types of funnels, here's why I need a wide funnel. You're going to get a better sense about the nature of the kind of what works when it comes to, to funnelness. The other reason that mixed-up practice works really well, goes back to something we've already spoken about, is it just makes you a more active learner. If you just keep on playing the same Beethoven again and again, you still practice the same idea again and again. You just become bored. This is the nature of humans, and that mixing up of practice forces you to pay a little bit more attention.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. So, like for example, when I was coaching, uh, when I was being coached in boxing, like uh, you know, my boxing coach was pretty hardcore kind of old school kind of dude. And he's just like, we just focused on the same drill, that one drill, like for so long months, that one drill and like, it was just like, well, well there was probably a couple of key drills, maybe two. And that was all, that's all we focused on. And he's like, yep, we got to focus on the principles. we got to get that, we got to get the foundations right. And it was, it was a grind, but like, he's like, that's how
1: it's done you would say that we should have done other things what i would say is look when you really don't know something uh let's just say you're learning to ride a bike today yes just practicing balancing and getting down the street is is very helpful but once you've acquired the basics you're moving to practice okay when you're moving to practice you're going to be much better off practicing a jab a hook and a cross because and mix it up as opposed to 10 jabs in a row, 10 crosses in a row and 10 hooks in a row because when you mix up your practice, one jab, one hook, one cross, one jab, one hook, one cross. You're going to just you're going to see the subtlety. How do you move your shoulder a little bit more? How do you move your right back leg a little bit more? And that variation is really key to practice. So we've been talking about sports, we've been talking about music. I mean, let's take this a little bit more in a a business setting because you know, when i see people practicing you know their pitches you know they'll just be like today is my elevator pitch day yeah and they just try and like is it two minutes or is it one minute and 58 seconds they'd be much better you know just trying to mix up their pitches and to figure out like what makes a good elevator pitch should it be two minutes the answer to that is no it should be way shorter you know what are the things that make these pitches really sing and in what context and how are you going to vary that little detail if you're speaking to a uh, you know, 75 year old, old grizzly uh, business person versus, you know, someone who's in the valley or, you know, someone with a way different context, or you only have 30 seconds versus, you know, 10 minutes, all those types of things is, is going to make you a much better person who gives pitches because you're going to think more about those nuances. Interesting. I see.
0: So um, one thing I was thinking about that just come to mind, I had to write down was like, in a business context, you know, there's so much information, right? There's so many podcasts, there's so many blogs, there's so many YouTube videos, there's just so many pieces of content on social. People are just overwhelmed with so much stuff. Um, and as a founder, like you, you you only have a limited amount of resources that, that you can allocate your time. And what you're really trying to do uh, to grow your company is, is allocate those resources, your resources or your team's resources efficiently to be able to effectively multiply capital um, and provide value, right? You uh, And have that exchange of value to receive capital. So um, I'm curious when it comes to learning, like I could spend all day reading management books, but I've got all these other things to do. So like, how, how often do you think someone should be thinking about their personal development or professional development across books, podcasts, videos like a week or a month? Like if we could allot a time as a business owner or a founder, like should it be five hours a week? Should it be two hours a week? Should it be 10 hours a week? I'm um, You know, like Bill Gates as an example or no, a better one would be Warren Buffett. He reads a book a day, you know, like crazy stuff. Um, what, what, is, what
1: is your personal take there? I'd love to hear. I'm much more goal-focused. So what is it that you're trying to accomplish? For many founders, you're really trying to figure out the latest idea in a specific domain. So, you know, if, if you're... Uh, really into marketing, you're really into SEO. I don't know. You really want to know the the latest idea. And for that, I would really say it's so important to just get people on the phone that by the time books are, are published, they're too old. And in fact, by the time blogs are published, they're too old. If you really want to just, if you're trying to learn like the latest And whenever I give an example of this, it's like, you know, by the nature, some crazy little subdomain of a subdomain of a subdomain. If you wanna learn the latest about that, you need to talk to people on the phone for the simple reason is that people, you wanna get to people before they've even pulled together their thoughts so they're coherent enough for a blog item, you know, or even for a tweet. And so talking to them, people just tend to ramble. They tend to talk about ideas that are a little bit disjointed. But once you start to talk to 10 people in a field, that's how you're going to get that really cutting edge information. And I think this is, you know, whether you're you know, selling, you're, you're you know, doing agriculture or you're, you know, doing selling in the nursing business, talking to people on the phone, especially when your, your goal is to try and get that cutting edge information is, is really important. I think dramatically undervalued. So, you know, that that's where in my mind, you really want to not think of it necessarily as learning, but as, as interviews. You know then, if you really want to like stay go deep in a topic, that's where I think some of the things that Bill Gates does are really valuable, which is blocking a whole day. Uh, I don't know if he does this anymore, but he did it at, at Microsoft where he was just going to read books. I don't know the nature of the books that he did, but this was for that type of like background reading, right? Like let's say you've entered into a, a new domain, you want to just make sure you kind of know the history of that space. that's where reading these types of of books can be you know really really helpful but you know when you're a founder you don't have a lot of time and so you have to be really careful with your time and so when you're doing that type of of learning making sure that you're that they're really just in sync with your your goals because it's so easy when you're faced with all that information to become simply overwhelmed and when you're overwhelmed, you're either going to, to give up or you're just going to settle on that information that's just really easy to under, understand when you want to get that information that's really going to dramatically change your business. Yeah, I agree. So, um, another thought that
0: came to mind was like, when it comes to, to learning, um, is it what, like, what's the, what are your, what is your take on like if you have like peers that you want to learn with? So let's say, as an example, myself and a friend, uh, you know, want to get better at SEO and we purchase a course, perhaps, is it better to do that course together with a peer um, versus doing it yourself? Uh, Because you talked about these ideas of, you know, speaking to someone
1: and like all that side of things. What's your take there? One of the key things that keep people from learning is just motivation. We're in a world where everything seems like a fire you need to put out. And so we put learning on the back burner. So what are things that we can do to keep motivated? And to a degree, this isn't necessarily all that different than you wanna lose weight or do all these other things that we know are hard. And so it's important to keep in mind that humans are incredibly social creatures, right? We're way more like bees and ants, it's highly networked animals. And so doing things with other people, or at least leveraging other people is is great. So in these pandemic times, I really recommend just going onto social media, not for social media's sake, but to make a public commitment, because we hate being embarrassed. We really hate being embarrassed in front of our friends. And so going out there and be like, hey, today, I'm going to take an SEO course, and I'm not going to speak to anybody until this SEO course is done. And then, you know, if you pop up in there and people are like, hey, you just promised us you're not supposed to be here, get back in that SEO course. You know, it's not necessarily taking the class with the other person, but it's leveraging our very social nature, right? The nature that we don't want to embarrass ourselves in front of our friends. And then absolutely, you know, taking classes with other people is, is really powerful. And it's powerful because it offers that motivation, but it also offers that uh, time where you can exchange ideas and in which you can, engage with other people about how you're going to apply that, how you're going to take it back, and those can be really, really powerful for for learning.
0: Yeah, I love that idea of um, the public commitment, or even just telling people, like, yeah, I've always done that with friends, um, just to help me accountable, because, you know, one thing I think is important is if you say you're going to do something, you follow through, so you don't trick your mind that you, you're always going to tell yourself that you're going to do something, and you never do it, and then you start to trick your mind that, yeah, you're not going to do it. So I try and hold myself just accountable to my word, and yeah, I love that idea of public accountability, or yeah, holding yourself
1: accountable so publicly. So, oh, sorry. The other thing that I just jump in on there that I think is something we haven't talked about that I think is really important to founders who. Are in that spot where they're being overwhelmed by information and that's feedback look we, the same way in which we, we, we were just talking about right you don't want to disappoint your friends it's also really hard to give people feedback and what can you do with the people who work around you to just make it easier to give feedback at the end of every one of my one-on-ones with the folks that I work with I'm just like hey what feedback can you give to me this week and what can you tell me that I can do better. And sometimes the stuff is really small. Sometimes I ignore it. You know, I, uh, I did this to my mom once, you know, my, I gave a talk and I, and I was like, mom, uh, you gotta tell me what I get better at. And of course she was just like, you're the best. You're incredible. No one has ever given a talk as awesome as you just gave that talk. And I was like, mom, you just, you gotta give me one thing. She was like, and it was great advice. She was like, you should not chew gum while you're giving a talk. And, I hadn't even really noticed it myself, and kind of an embarrassing thing now to, to confess to you. And the, the point is, is that we can use this feedback from other people. It's a great way to learn, to get better at something, because as you said, sometimes you don't even realize that you're doing something uh, wrong. But it's important because it's the flip side of you know what we were just talking about, people being really social, because we don't feel comfortable giving feedback to people, right? It feels like, oh, you're giving them bad information. But it's so hard to not to become better. It's so hard. If you don't have feedback, you can't become better.
0: Yeah, I love that. So um, look, we have to work towards wrapping up, Ulrich. I could talk to you all day about uh, learning and how to get better at it. And um, that's why we've partnered with you to create this incredible program, which we're really excited to talk about in the future. But um, look, is there anything, uh, just work, working towards wrapping up, is there anything that I didn't ask you or anything that you'd like to share with our audience.
1: Um, no, I think we covered these really important ideas around, you know, making sure that actually, let's just talk about one thing just for fun. And you asked, as we look towards wrapping up, one thing that I'd really remind people is this idea. And it comes from a professor at UCLA called Desirable Difficulties. And I think it's a really good way to summarize some of the things that we've been talking about. And the idea is that if learning is really easy you're actually probably not learning and that what we want in learning is what Bobby or calls desirable difficulty. You want to make it a little bit difficult for yourself. This helps us understand why we want to mix up our practice. It helps us understand why we want to kind of forget and then come back to something. It makes it a little bit hard. And I think it's a great way to think about learning in the way that we want to learn, which is get that information, get it into our heads and then apply it in those situations whether it's, you know, marketing or accounting that we know really matter.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's really great advice because I think, yeah, like when you think of learning, learning sounds boring, right, for, for some people, right? But it's the idea for me that excites me around skill acquisition, mastery, um, you know, leveling up the outcome side of that. You know what I mean? Not the idea of I'm going to have to do all this work, but that, that outcome of like the end product, the output, um, the result. So yeah, no, that's a great way to think about it. I love that. So um, yeah, look, this is a great conversation, man. Uh, as I said, I could talk to you all day and um, you're like an encyclopedia when it comes to this stuff, but uh, where's the best place people can find out more about yourself and your work?
1: Yeah, the learning agency is the place uh, to, to find us on online. So looking forward to hearing from folks. And again, you know, we're so thrilled about this course. Uh, you know, just looking what we pulled together, it pushed me in new ways. I feel like we're sharing content that we've never shared before. And I really think people are going to get a ton out of it.
0: Incredible, man. Well, look, thank you so much for your time. And thank you so much for, uh, yeah, working with our team and producing this incredible product. So Yeah, look, um, I hope you have a good rest of your day and I'll speak to you soon.
1: Awesome. This was great. Thanks so much.
2: Founders, entrepreneurs, influencers, disruptors. We feature hundreds of in-depth case studies with the greatest business minds of our current generation. Building a business is hard. The founder mission is to help you create an ass-kicking business and help you learn straight from the mouths of world-class founders. Get your free printed edition of Founder Magazine featuring Sir Richard Branson. Just cover shipping and handling at founder.com forward slash Branson. That's F O U N D R.com forward slash Branson.